Hello, and welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm your host, Anna Lively. This week on the podcast, I am joined with USA Today MLB insider and columnist, Bob Nightingale. We'll be discussing his career in the sports industry, being a chairman for a BBWAA chapter, predictions for October, and lots more. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with other baseball fans out there. I don't want to make you wait anymore, so here is my conversation with Bob Nightingale. Well, welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. I'm Anna Lively, and this week on the podcast, I am joined with a USA Today MLB insider and columnist, Bob Nightingale. Bob, thank you so much for joining me. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks, Anna. So I'm excited to hear your journey, but at what age did you know that you wanted to be an MLB journalist? I knew I wanted to become a sports writer, not necessarily MLB, uh, actually in high school. Maybe junior year. Uh, I don't think sophomore year, but perhaps. But yeah, high school. I started working for the school newspaper. And I just always thought it'd be uh, a fun job to be a sports writer. Yeah, not necessarily baseball, but pretty much, you know, any sport. Nice. That's great. And then after you found that love in high school, you attended Arizona State University, where you received your degree in journalism. What would you say some of your biggest takeaways from your experiences, classes, other things that you did throughout high school and college were? I think just uh, getting to know people. Uh, I was a very shy kid. It actually forces you out of your shell to interview people and uh, and just uh, experience kind of the social life, you know, to interact with people. So not necessarily, you know, anything I learned in, uh, you know, college or anything like that, but just to be around people, uh, you, know, you know, know their feelings, that stuff like that. It's almost like I think one professor once said, there's probably a mil- you know, a classroom of 30 people. I bet there's 25 great stories in this classroom. You just got to talk to someone to find out what they are. Awesome. I love that. And that you bring up the importance of getting comfortable with the interviews and then finding that great story. But after college, since then, you've been with USA Today for two and a half decades. Uh, can you talk about the different roles that you've had since getting the job there? Yeah, before I was a beat writer. So I covered the uh, Kansas City Royals and then uh, with Los Angeles Times, covered uh, San Diego Padres, Los Angeles Angels, and then the uh, LA Dodgers. Then with USA Today, it was always a national role where I wasn't focused on one team, but all teams. So yeah, I did that from uh, you know 98 on. So more of a fun job. You're almost jumping on teens bandwagons or individual bandwagons than worrying about, you know, the up, ebbs and flows of a, uh, of a, of a single team. Yeah, it's nice that you talked about the fun part being, you know, jumping on others bandwagons opposed to just covering a more specific team, but you've covered so much great baseball throughout your career thus far, but can you sort of take me into what a game day looks like for you covering writing for USA today, maybe in, for like a playoff game? Yeah, playoff games are different than regular season, only in the sense the clubhouse isn't open. Clubhouse is open after a game. So you still, if it's a 7 o'clock start, you show up about 2, 2.30, kind of get prepared. At least you can walk on the field and talk to people. 
uh, you know, primarily they'll have press conferences for the managers the next day starting pitcher. Uh, whereas a regular season, you know, you'd show up about, you know, five hours before game time too, but you're actually in the clubhouse. So uh, on a regular day, I go to the, uh, the home side clubhouse first. And then when that closed down, go to the visitor side, listen to the managers, what they have to say. A lot of it's just kind of uh, getting to know people and just interacting. You know, a lot of times your notebook's not even open. You're just mm -hmm. kind of talking and you know people. That's nice that you're able to, you know, create more relationships and stuff from out from the so many years that you've worked in baseball. But I have to ask you because you've covered so many games throughout your career. But what are some of your favorite games or like favorite player moments that you remember throughout those games that you've covered? Well, certainly the uh, the great home run race in 98 with McGuire and uh, Sammy Sosa was fun to be at. And I was uh, in St. Louis when McGuire broke Roger Maris' record, crossed home plate, you know, lift up his son and went over to see the Maris family. For just an individual accomplishment, that might have been the best thing I, I've witnessed. Uh, you know, this, you know, usually always remember the, uh, the postseason moments, whether it was a, a David Freeze game whether uh, the, the Bill Buckner game, you know, that sort of thing, you know, great moments in postseason, uh, you know, being there when uh, they're celebrating, you know, World Series triumphs and stuff like that. Uh, probably 86 postseason is probably the best ever, you know, which was my first one. And they, uh, but then, yeah, all of them are uh, kind of run together. I mean, it's cool to see the Cubs Cleveland game because that's so topsy turvy. And of course, the, uh, the wild game when the, uh, you know, the Mets came back and, and beat the Red Sox. We look like the Red Sox had it. Everybody's on the computers writing about the Red Sox family and the curse and the curse keeps going on. <laughs> those are some great memories for sure. I love the different variations with all of those. I could definitely attest to the Cubs one, that one being an exciting one with the rain delay and everything in between and the 108 years and everyone's like, are they finally going to do it? But Exciting to hear from your perspective, all the different moments, but what would you say you enjoy about getting to cover the Hall of Fame weekend, which I know that's where we met at, but you've covered Hall of Fame players, everything in between, but what do you like about Cooperstown? Yeah, it's my favorite weekend. Just everybody that's up there is in a great mood. No one's complaining about things. It's just, uh, and it's fun to see the Hall of Famers interacting with each other. A lot of times they haven't seen each other in a year, uh, sometimes longer, you know, particularly with COVID and all that. So uh, fun hanging out at the hotel with those guys, whether it's for breakfast, lunch, uh, at the at the bar late at night, and listen to them tell stories and interacting with each other. So yeah, it's always my favorite weekend as far as just being not so much a newsworthy weekend, but just a fun weekend. Yes, I can totally agree on that for sure. So I know we talked a little bit about the Hall of Fame weekend as well as playoff weekends, but I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what your regular season looks like because you talked about as writing for USA Today, you write about so many different teams. So how does that sort of all work with you and how do you decide what, what you write about first and the different teams, sort of how does that go down? Yeah, you're kind of a, uh, seeing, you know, what trends develop. Uh, when Tampa Bay started off that strong, everybody wanted to write about, you know, what the Rays were doing. Uh, Luisa Rise was a great story for a while, you know, bidding for 400. And then, of course, you know, Atlanta doing this once again, being the power, uh, seeing what's going on with the uh, both teams in, in Texas, you know, with the uh, Scherzer and Berliner trades going there. You know, now 
you know, being in uh, August, you're kind of focused on, okay, the pennant races, you know, who's, you know, fighting for a spot. And outside, you know, really the NL East, there's five division races still open. So it's kind of fun to monitor that just because, you know, the games are meaning something. Absolutely. Totally agree. It's super fun, especially when all the divisions are still open for anybody to do. So you, it's so unpredictable. You never know what happens sometimes, but it's going to be exciting race to watch the next couple of weeks until the season's over. But outside for, of covering the MLB season for you, you're also a Hall of Fame voter and chairman for your local BBWAA chapter. Uh, can you talk about what the process is like for you for the yearly voting and how you decide on who you vote for. Yeah, just a, uh, you know, just the body of work for the Hall of Fame. You almost have in your mind uh, before these guys even show up in the ballot. Okay, I'm definitely going to vote for this guy for the Hall of Fame. Uh, this guy, I'm going to think about another guy, you know, no chance. And uh, I'm on the screening committee too. So as far as what guys deserve to go in the ballot, because some good players get left off too. <laughs> but it's always a uh, fun process. Uh I used to vote for a lot of players. Now it's probably less than five, you know, every year. There's kind of ebbs and flows to it. And then I also vote for the, uh, you know, MVP award in the National League every year. And that's that's fun. You know, you kind of uh, right around early September, you start to think in your mind, okay, let me list top 15 players who, uh, who I want to be in that, in that top 10 in, in what order. No, that's fun. Thanks for giving me some insight and sharing like what it looks like for the Hall of Fame voting, because it's always a time everybody like counts down to see who gets in the hall. Uh, from your perspective, do you be do you think there will be more players on a yearly basis that get into hall in the future? You think it'll be a more one or two guys every year? I think the threshold is getting easier to get in or people looking more like, OK, you had a very good career. Uh, you know, even a guy like Scott Rowland, he started off such a vote, low vote total. And uh, it was almost like people started looking at the analytics and everything else, the advanced metrics, and say, you know what, he probably does deserve. You know, without the gold gloves, he probably doesn't get in. You know, yeah. Fred McGriff, I always thought that was a mistake. He should have been in by the writers, you know, just seven home runs short of 500. And it took the Veterans Committee, you know, to, to get him in. Uh, yeah, like next year. You know, uh, you're looking at ballot. Adrian Beltre will definitely get in. Todd Helton just missed by 11 votes. He'll get in. You know, Billy Wagner's knocking the door. This is Gary Sheffield's last year uh, eligible. And then two years from now, you'll have the biggest class of, or biggest uh, ceremony of all time because each row is getting in. So, For sure. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have on half of Japan coming over to do that celebration. <laughs> no I love that and if people thought the David Ortiz one was pretty big which it was last year but the Ichiro run wow that's gonna be exciting for sure so it's gonna be fun to keep watching that but you mentioned the MVP voting so I have to ask you about it um on your short list I know it's a little early than what you usually probably list but who would you say your top three to five players are right now if the season ended today yeah, I do nationally living in, uh, you know, Phoenix, which is a uh, you know, National League city. So, yeah, right now, you know, Ronald Acuna is probably still number one on the leaderboard. Freddie Freeman's stats are getting awfully close, except for stolen bases. They're almost identical. So uh, Freddie's in the picture. Uh, his teammate Mookie Betts is in the picture. Uh, Corbin Carroll from Arizona Diamondbacks is as well, although his numbers have dropped off. 
you know, pretty substantially since the all-star break, probably just mm-hmm. some fatigue setting in. But right now it's probably a, uh, you know, play a three-way race still with a Kuna having a lead. But Freeman, the way he's playing right now is getting closer and closer uh, every week. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Thanks for sharing. And I totally agree with you. It's going to be fun to watch the next six weeks to see who ends up taking home that title. <laughs> Either way, they're both going to be in October, probably the winner of it. So that it's going to be fun to see whose team can make it the furthest. But in terms of the MLB season with all the teams, I know we're in August now, but what would you say some of your top storylines for the next couple weeks? I know you talked about the pennant race, but is there anything else that's sort of standing out to you after the trade deadline with all those acquisitions like the Rangers, you know, the Astros, those types of things outside of those? Yeah, I mean, it's a great race in the AL West, you know, the Astros and Rangers both, you know, making their big moves. You know, individually, you know, you still keep your eye on Luis Arise, but he's just kind of hovering around 380. If he gets over 390, then it really picks up interest. And of course, the Shohei Otani, uh, you know, can he get close to Aaron Judge's record, which he has set last year with his 62 home runs in the American League? But no matter what he does, I think Otani still dominates the headlines just because he's going to be the hot free agent. Everybody mm-hmm. wants this guy. And, uh, you know, he's been battling uh, fatigue, some cramps for pitching wise. So, what, you know, we'll see what he does. But, you know, those things, you know, jump out the most. Uh, Ronald Acuna, you know, could he become the first, you know, 80 stolen base guy and 40 home run guy? Uh, but otherwise, it's just pretty much the division races. Also, I think a uh, team like the San Diego Padres is so disappointing. Will they mm-hmm. go down as the most underachieving team in baseball history if they don't make the playoffs? Uh, how about the Yankees? It would be very strange to see the Yankees be out of the playoffs after having such a dominant run they've had. Right. I totally agree with that. Now I have to ask, since you brought up the Padres, we all, on the other hand, we've got the Mets who that season did not pan out as anybody would have expected after them going out to buy Verlander, you know, trying to get as many assets as they could. Would you say the Padres season would be more disappointing or the Mets season would be more disappointing for this year? Yeah, I'll go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the Padres. Uh, I know the Mets had a bigger payroll, but the Padres were just so star star-studded group. They had eleven All Stars. Uh, you know, they were the big pick to win the uh, NL West. Where even with the uh, NL East, I think Atlanta was still the favorite. But yeah, just to have that much star power and spend a uh, you know kind of an easy NL wild card race to get in, and yet you know they haven't been five hundred now since I want to say, you know. Early, early to mid uh, April, maybe, maybe May, but a long time. I th- but I think if they don't make the playoffs, I think look most underachieving team in baseball history. They really do with so many stars in that team. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's it's really crazy and funny how baseball works because going into the season, everybody had expectations for a team like the Padres, understandably because as you said, eleven All Stars. I mean, that's not a feat that many other teams have. So like. The fact that they're not even 500, let alone close to getting a wild card spot, is definitely going to be something that's going to be talked about for a while if they don't make October, like you said. But outside of that, I want to talk a little bit prediction wise for October, in your opinion, because I have to ask you. So 
who first off do you think is going to be the team with the biggest surprise? I know we've already been surprised by teams like the Diamondbacks who've improved a lot, the Orioles and so forth. Yeah, I think you you usually go with the uh, teams that could surprise and have a pitching. Uh, Milwaukee, for instance, you have, you know, you know, Brandon Woodruff, he's back finally. If he pitches like he's capable of to go to Corbin Burns, you got the closer in Devin Williams. They could surprise people. They could, uh, you know, be the uh, big upset. Uh, Philadelphia, just a, 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 a gutsy team. You know, just a uh, so full of emotion in that clubhouse. They know how to win. They surprised everybody last year. There's no reason with Nolan Wheeler they can't do the same thing and shock some people. But, you know, nationally, by the clear-cut, you know, favorites are Atlanta, obviously, and the Dodgers. Right. It's looking for another Atlanta Dodger, uh, you know, collision. American League, I think, is so much more wide open. I thought Tampa Bay had a great chance to get there. Now they lost Shane McClanahan. That's mm-hmm. a big injury. But, right. you know, you got, you got to put, uh, you know, Houston Astros, Baltimore, Texas, all in that same pot. And Seattle could be a sneaky team because of the great young pitching they have. Uh, well, thanks for sharing all of that. I think I I had to have to agree with you on a lot of those things, but I like your take on the, the Brewers. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can surprise some people. Maybe they can take down one of the big two in the NL with the Dodgers and Braves. We'll have to see about that. But the AL is definitely going to be interesting because I think the trade deadline shook that up a lot. And so now we'll see if the Astros can repeat. But who do you think we're going to do a bold prediction? But who do you think is going to win the World Series? <laughs> I'll probably go Atlanta, although, you know, they haven't played that well of late. And uh, yeah. the pitching has been a little erratic. But I'll still go Atlanta. I would not be surprised, Anna, to see the uh, uh, a rematch, uh, another uh, Atlanta Astro. You know? Ooh. Uh, you know, I, I can see those two teams meeting up. Uh, so I, I like Tampa a lot, but I just think that injury is so is so big. Uh, and we'll see. Yeah, we'll see about the Phillies. Like I said, there's something about that team. They know how to win. Uh, gutsy team. So but mm-hmm. I'll go. I'll go Atlanta, Houston right now. All right. Well, I'm probably gonna have to clip that video. We'll see if it it could happen easily. It could be a rematch of the 21 World Series. We'll just sort of have to like sit back and wait to see how that materializes in a couple of months. But <laughs> excited to watch the MLB season come to a close for the regular season wise. But to finish off my podcast, Bob, I always do with my guests what I call my favorite five questions. So are you ready for them? I'll try to brace myself. All right, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you would give to the next generation? Uh, don't uh, don't underestimate hard work in uh, in a running business, uh, particularly covering baseball. I don't know one great baseball writer who's lazy. You got to put your work in, get to know people. The big thing is get to know people. Yeah, you work on your writing and everything else. But this day and age, everybody wants information. Mm-hmm. So even if you're writing, you know, isn't quite as you know good as some other people. If you have some information in there, I guarantee you'll be reading that story and not the one that's you know more uh, well written. That's some great advice. Thanks for sharing that. All right, the next one is to give a shout out to someone who's made an impact on your life. Yeah, I mean, besides uh, you know family, of course, you know, <laughs> dad and mom. 
uh, for just writing wise, it was by Tracy Ringlesby. Uh, he's already in the, uh, in the hall of fame for, you know, baseball writers. But when I got to Kansas city, he kind of taught me the ropes with the hard work and he said, don't forget, you know, these guys are human, just like you, you know, if they have a bad game or so, you know, it's tough on them. Don't, you know, don't be shy about saying, Hey, nice game tonight or something like that. And if somebody makes a big error, you know, don't say, Oh, you know, a fourth grader could have made that play. No, just say he made the air. Stick to the facts. Don't make, you know, don't make fun of people. Right. Because, you know, you don't want to be made fun of. No, I love that. I think you bring up such a great point there and reminding people because some people probably forget sometimes with when you watch professional athletes and they're so good at that sport, but they're still human just like us too. So, so important. But okay, the next one is I know you're usually busy. You probably don't get many days off because you're always covering baseball. But if you had a day off, and you could plan your ideal day, how would you want to spend it? I just like relaxing, you know, whether it's a hanging out by the pool, uh, you know, if I'm on vacation, you want to hang out at the beach. There's no, no beaches in uh, Phoenix. <laughs> you have to lie in the pool. And uh, I like watching movies. I like watching a, uh, a good movie, just, you know, sitting back and uh, you know, watching the house. I, if you go in the theater, it's fun too, because it's like a, you're in a different world. You're not even thinking about, what's going on outside that movie theater. So mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I enjoy that. What would be your go-to baseball movie? I don't know. You know, there's not that one that jumps out. I still like, you know, some of those old ones, whether it's a Luke Gehrig story or, or Babe mm -hmm. Ruth story. Uh, Eight Men Out what was great. Uh, you know, the Bull Durham's. But yeah, I don't have just one where I'll say, oh, I, if it comes on TV, you know, I got to turn that on, but yeah, but a few of them, uh, I like the ones with the, uh, you know, his history behind it. Uh, the 42 movie was good. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Spike Lee was going to do another one on uh, Jack Robinson. I'd be curious to see, you know, watch that one. Well, that sounds like a fun and nice relaxing day to me. So I love that. <laughs> All right. What sport would you cover if you didn't cover baseball? I still, love, uh, I still do love uh, basketball. Uh, I used to love the NBA, uh, college basketball too, but more NBA. So I've always uh, enjoyed watching games, particularly in person. I think in baseball, you can watch on TV, but in uh, person, especially if you sit down low, the NBA is fun. And I love watching football on Sundays too, like everybody else, but never thought, okay, I really want to be a football writer, but I always mm -hmm. thought it'd be fun, to, be fun to cover the NBA, but the travel is tough. I do that a little bit. But travel, you know, you're in and out of the city, you know, every every night or every two nights. Where in baseball, you can actually unpack your, you know, suitcase for four or five days because you're in the same hotel. Right. Uh, worrying about catching a, a six o'clock flight the next morning to catch the next night's game. Nice basketball. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last but certainly not least, if you had a superpower that can make the world better, what would you want it to be and why? I don't know, just kindness. It's like, you know, it's, it's, especially when you go on social media, like Twitter and stuff, like every everything is so critical. And uh, I don't think we take enough time to be, you know, kind to each other. Uh, you know, even in stories, you'll see, say a manager talks about a player for 20 minutes, a glowing report. If he says one negative word about it, it's blown up in all the headlines. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it would just be, you know, for everybody to be kind to each other, where we see so much, uh, you know, hatred of people, making fun of each other. You know, I wish, you know, it seems like that's getting worse instead of better. 
Well, I totally agree. Kindness is something so important. And if we can have more of it in the world, then it's going to be a better place for us all to live for sure. Well, well, thank you again, Bob, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey of your writing career thus far, your all of your different experiences that you've had throughout your career covering MLB and so much more. And I'm definitely going to be watching those predictions, seeing if what, what happens when we get closer to October. Well, I'll be watching your career as a blossom. So best of luck with everything. Thanks. Thanks.